Thanks for joining the podcast with Tamara Gondor. Conversations with everyday innovators that reject status quo, think differently, and make a positive difference in their world. Listen in so you can ignite innovation, influence others, and make an impact too. And now your host, CrossFit addict, knee-high sock lover, and according to her kids, average cook, Tamara Gondor. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the show. So good to see you all here with me today. Hey, I want to say a quick thank you for all the incredible reviews that you've left us on iTunes. I so appreciate all of you. I really see these reviews as a round of applause for the everyday innovators that we have on. So keep them coming. They're awesome. Thank you. So speaking of everyday innovators, let me tell you a little bit about the everyday innovator style of our guest today. And I want to remind you that while being innovative is universal, we all do it, how we innovate is unique to each of us. So if you don't know your style yet, if you haven't tapped into that incredible thing in your brain, go take the assessment on our website, link is in the show notes, and you'll discover yours. Let me first tell you about Stefan's everyday innovator style. His is tweaker collaborative. So tweakers are all about iteration. So it's how do we adjust, edit, evolve? I think while the rest of us maybe label things as success or failure too soon, or we kind of think think of things as final, people who have tweaker in their strengths know that the great innovation is just one little adjustment away. So they're really good at moving things forward and kind of editing and evolving as they go. Then the collaborative side is all about pulling disparate people and ideas and experiences together to create whole innovation. So I like to think of collaboratives as pulling all these pieces of a puzzle together that maybe we didn't see how they fit, but they know how they fit. So the magic in Tweaker Collaborative is optimized whole innovation. So with that said, can't wait to dig in. Stefan, welcome to the show. Tell the world who you are and what you do. Well, Tamara, thanks for for having me on the show. It's, uh, It's really a great opportunity for me. Uh, my name is Stéphane Parent. I'm from uh, Quebec City, Canada, and uh, my company is uh, Novam, Novam Interactive. We bring light and life to events and venues. So basically, we use technology, we use creativity and innovation to create experiences for uh, visitors uh, in museums, uh, hotels, uh, attractions, or events like galas, for instance. So let me ask you a question on that, because, you know, I think for both of us who have been in the the space of live events and then it kind of shut down for a while, now it's coming back. Mm -hmm. Um, Now that it's coming back, how has the needs of your clients changed or how you're doing your business? Or maybe I'm being assumptive. Has it changed? It has changed. It has changed uh, in a way that, well, there are a few things that didn't change, let's say, like. People like to meet, people like to get together, and they've been missing that for a while. So now there's a kind of crave of going back to live events. But uh, the fact that we developed new technologies, new approaches in in those events, so we see uh, hybrid events, or we'll also call it co-modal events, means that they are being live and virtual at the same time. So this does exist now more than it used to be before the pandemic. And uh, even in live event, there is more technology involved uh, in this because we uh, developed, we, we, we took this time to develop new, new things. So that's a, 
that's the main change I would see so far. What's a recent win or something you're proud of? Well, it's related to the pandemic once again. Of course, we had a lot of uh, live events that were to go on uh, just when the, the pandemic broke. And at this moment, uh, we were not sure what to do. And we were working on a project about uh, artificial intelligence on AI because we have a lot of programmers and developers in our company who are very aware of this. So this is what we were working on. And we received a phone call from uh, one of our partners, which is in the uh, AV industry. And of course, everything shut down for him. So they told us, uh, and this would will bring the Twitter collaborative side uh, of me and, and my team, because uh, they asked us, well, with your team, since you have a lot of developers, uh, would you be able to create a platform for virtual events that would be able to bring up to 1,000, 3,000, 5,000 people together with the feeling that they are in the same event, that they are together? So the way we looked at it was, okay, what do you want exactly? How do you see the event? You, you are producing a lot of events every week. So what do you think the clients need and all that stuff? And then came back to the developers who know nothing about live events because, you know, they're programmers, they're in front of their computers uh, all day long. And we explained them what was needed. And after two weeks, they came with a plan for a solution. They say, let's create virtual tables so we can have hundreds of virtual tables. People will be seated at the table and look at the event just as if they were in a Congress. So they, they can chat with the people at their table and in just one click, switch table, as you do in a virtual event, you say, hey, my friend there is at table 14. So I go to table 14, chat with my friend, come back with my table, look at the event. And of course, there were, so, uh, there were a lot of other features, but that's the main feature that made the difference uh, during the pandemic, because we were able to produce, in, on, instead of doing zero events during the pandemic, we did with that virtual platform more than 300 events. And that literally sa saved our asses. Yeah, you know what I love about that example, this stuff, <laughs> is that um, the question at the front end is what made the difference, right? You asked the question, all right, well, what, are we, what experience are we trying to create here versus like, how do we just gather everybody online? And, and I'll, it was my experience because a lot of my work went virtual, um, a lot of my live events, right? And what ended up happening is from the person hosting, so I'm not hosting, I'm a speaker when it comes to these type of events. So I just kind of pop in, right? Do my thing and leave. But oftentimes what I found is that it was just a one-way listening platform, mm -hmm. right? And I tried to be yeah. as active as I possibly could. And I did things to try to be innovative in my session, but like the feeling was gone. So I love that what you asked in the beginning about like, all right, well, what are we, what are we really trying to do here versus just, all right, we're jumping online, right? We're just, we're making a change. And I think oftentimes it's that question on the front end that we ask ourselves that, that decides how we innovate on the back end. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and an interesting point there is that those people, because those people in the EV were, you know, they were mostly sales rep, you know, they, they sell events and then the staff goes in and produce the shows. In that case, 
uh, it was very different because the, the the people that we had to talk to were the developers, you know, those guys in IT. And uh, sometimes we have the feeling that we don't even speak the same language. So I had to be in between those sellers and those developers. And they on the, the on the developer side, they were saying, okay, this is possible. This is not possible. This would take six weeks. We need this in two weeks. It's not possible. This will take four months. Okay, we have the first events that will need this feature in four months. Let's do this. Let's let's uh, invest in that. And of course, that needed we needed a lot of money to do that, but the clients were there, so we were able to uh, to proceed and to go on. But the the point is. The communication between those sellers and those developers was something that was always a challenge because they don't speak the same language. And those sellers, you know, they they get their adrenaline on the event. The developers they get the adrenaline on working and perfecting their things, and they don't they don't have the feeling, they don't have the sense of urgency that the others have. So that was something very difficult, you know, to mingle those people and have them work together. So I think what you're saying there is a really important point about understanding the drivers and the motivators of the people you work with and recognizing that even though you're all putting on an event at the end of the day, their motivators, I love the way you said the adrenaline, right? Where they get the rush isn't in the same place. And you, right? The person in the middle leading kind of have to figure out like, where do people get excited? Where's their energy come from? And really, I, I think we... I have made the mistake of thinking, well, everybody's excited about this when like the team's like, no, we like this part over here, <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, uh, th this, there's been a lot of webinars in the last two and a half years. And uh, uh, it's not the, the thing that it was not interesting because lots of them were, but people had too much of those. So this is why we had what we were forced to do uh, virtual events, we had to work as much as possible to get something that looked close to what a live event uh, would look like. And this this was the difficult part technically for us. And the fact that we created something uh, that worked well uh, and was stable, because this was a challenge also at the beginning, uh, helped us to develop our own credibility towards our clients. So now that this is, hopefully, this is this is over and that we're going back to, to live events and we have a lot of, uh, we have a lot of uh, exciting new projects, uh, not necessarily in events, but for, for venues, for attractions. Uh, we're looking forward to this, but there are some uh, companies uh, like in Canada, they are coast to coast. You know, Canada is even, bigger geographically than United States with a small population. So these people, uh, let's say they work for a bank that is all across the country, 80,000 employees throughout the country, they have to meet and they're not going to meet, let's say in Toronto or Montreal. So they need virtual meetings every week. So they're going to use our platforms. So we get clients uh, that we didn't expect and we never thought we would work with those big banks and those big organizations throughout the country because they were not even on our radar screen, whatever. And now they are our clients for this uh, virtual platform. Well, and I, I'm just going to add to that and say that um, I think the virtual 
while you know Zoom fatigue, as they call it, right, is very real, I do think it's opened up new opportunities, new people. Every conference I've been to that's had hybrid now has been really excited for it because it's brought in people who wouldn't normally come either geographically or maybe their company does not invest in their level of employee the way they would at a different level where they're going to bring them in, pay for them to travel, right? All that stuff. So it's opened up. And I frankly, I love that all my calls now are Zoom calls. I love it. I always ask permission because not everybody wants to be on camera all the time. But I love it because it allows for a little bit more human connection when I'm talking to someone in, you know, I'm in Denver, Colorado, and they're in Wisconsin, or they're in Quebec, or they're like wherever they are, I can now see their face. And for me, it may, I think it just builds more connection that I actually didn't have over old school phone. So, Well, the, if you spend hours and hours on Zoom, you will get Zoom fatigue. We all went uh, through that, uh, and, and I did. And, and when I go uh, on vacation... <laughs> I have uh, no connection whatsoever. <laughs> yeah, even I, I, even if I'm in a, in a tech company when I'm on holiday, there's no tech at all where where I'm going. I'm going in the woods and yeah, just relax. And here's my little secret that I should never admit to a global audience, but I'm going to. Even when I'm on vacation, even if I have Wi-Fi, I tell people in my world that I don't have Wi-Fi. <laughs> I'm yeah. like, sorry, I got no cellular. Me, me, me too. <laughs> Now they know. <laughs> Sorry. You're listening to Conversations with Everyday Innovators on With Tamara Gondor Podcast. Let's take a moment to thank our generous partners that make this possible. I want to take a moment to talk about my friends at Howdy Puppy. Dogs experience all the same problems as humans when it comes to joint pain, anxiety, digestion, and arthritis. A great way to help our four-legged family members with these ailments is with CBD-infused pet treats. Who doesn't like treats? As you longtime listeners know, my Mastiff, Zoe, is part of my family, but is getting older and has some anxiety issues when strangers come around. Howdy Puppy CBD Dog Treats has totally changed her disposition, and I know she feels like her young, energetic, confident self when she gets Howdy Puppy CBD dog treats. There are many CBD-infused dog treats on the market, but the truth is that many of them are overpriced and ineffective. We've looked at dozens of CBD dog treats and found most of them disappointing. Howdy Puppy is among the best brands in the CBD pet business. They deliver consistent quality, and their treats look and taste amazing, according to our dogs, of course. The company makes CBD dog treats in three flavors, steak, bacon, and cheese rolls. All of Howdy Puppy CBD treats contain natural ingredients, including high-quality full-spectrum hemp oil, all sourced and made in the USA. Full disclosure, I'm an investor in Howdy Puppy, but before I put my name on the company, I had an independent lab in Denver, Colorado, verify the quality and consistency of their treats. They are truly as advertised. Go online today at howdypuppy.com, link will also be in the show notes, and use promo code TAMARA, T-A-M-A-R-A, that's me, to get 20% off the absolute best CBD dog treats on the market. You will not be disappointed. Howdypuppy.com, promo code TAMARA. Don't let them suffer needlessly. Let them enjoy life too. Let me flip it for a second. What's a challenge that you faced and how'd you overcome it? 
Well, uh, there's always resistance uh, within the team, and uh, you have to overcome this. There, there was resistance on some uh, on some projects like this one at the beginning, the one we're talking about, the uh, the virtual platform. Of course, there was resistance, and and on both sides because people didn't believe that would work. It would work this way. It would be too expensive. It's not going to work. So there's resistance within the team. And uh, in uh, in another life, I had a, a challenge that was a, a challenge of resistance. Back then, I was not in technology. I was in charge of uh, a festival. Uh, and it was not technological. It was a historical festival in Quebec City. It's a very historic city. So we have the biggest historic festival in North America called Fête de la Nouvelle France. And I became the uh, general manager of this, uh, this event. And uh, each year, there was a theme to this event. And uh, I chose a team that was uh, the role of uh, the importance of women and the developing of the colony uh, 350 years ago, because it was the 350th anniversary of uh, a boat that brought in girls to the colony because where they were lacking girls. So girls sent from France that they called the filles du roi, basically the king's daughters. They were not actual king's daughters, but the king of France, back then Louis XIV, would give them a dowry and send them to Canada. Yeah. And it, it took them a lot of courage to come to Canada. Uh, but there was one woman for every 50 men. So they got married very quickly, all of them. And still today, 60% of the population of Quebec are descendants from these women. Wow. So I say, well, let's pay homage to these ladies. And they are the mothers of, of New France. And in a sort of way, the mothers of, of, of Quebec. But uh, there was also the fact that it was the 350th anniversary of the first uh, actual government in uh, in New France. So they say, well, it's important because it's it's the basic of the democracy. This is what should be the main thing and the role of the women. Let's put it aside. So I stick to that. And there were historians on my board. They didn't agree. And a lot of people didn't agree. They talked to my team. And my team was on my side because uh, most of them were women. Uh, very young women uh, also because I had a very young team back then. And uh, they supported me in that. And I was able to convince the board of administrators and the founders because we received public funding that this was the right thing. And this year, we that year, we had our best result because we put all those king's daughters on a ship and they arrived on a, you know, a ship that looked like vintage. They arrived on the shore of the St. Lawrence River by the sea. They arrived and everybody was on the docks uh, cheering for them. So it was a big success. And we received the price of innovation for the events on that year. So I was, I was very proud of that, but I had to overcome a lot of resistance. I love that story. I also really... so. First of all, kudos on overcoming the resistance. I'm, before I ask you a question about that, I just want to say I loved hearing you share how you brought it to life too. So instead of just telling people, oh, look, these women were important. They came over, right? Like half they, they, of them. They, 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 they were just, humble women, yeah. Yeah, but also that you actually recreated them coming up on a ship is like, sometimes I think people need to really experience what we're talking about. And we can talk and talk and talk, but to really understand the importance of things I think we need to, to show people, right? Like to bring them into the story. 
Um, I'm curious about the resistance. When you thought about it, how did you think about tackling that resistance? Um, because, right, it's I, I often find with resistance, it's it's insidious, meaning it's it's not like no, it's more like, but we've got this we have to deal with, right? It's like there's it's almost excuse driven. Yeah, well, we we have to listen to why why are they resisting, and uh, the arguments were rational, of course. Uh, because in that case, they say, well, uh, you know, it, it's important because it's the base uh, of uh, our um, political system. And we noted a lot of, uh, of this, of this and that. And then my point was, yeah, but what about the women? If they didn't come, uh, those mostly they were, they were orphans. So if they didn't come, we wouldn't even be here and we wouldn't even speak French. While today, still today in Quebec City, 95% of the population speak French as a first language, and they say, this is this is the point. And besides, we're going to attract a lot more people if we base our team on women, because it's popular, because I say 50% of our population is women, and the other 50%, most of them, they like women. So, <laughs> <laughs> most of them. So I'll say, we're, 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 going to, we're going to do some mileage with this. So listen to the arguments, discuss with them, bring my own arguments, be rational as far as they are rational. And there's a bit of emotion too, because uh, uh, you, you, have, you have to win their hearts to, to also uh, be sure that they, will be, they, that they will side with you finally. So I love what you just said in there about their arguments are rational, because I think sometimes, and I know I'm totally guilty of this, I'll, I think that my idea is so good that I don't see the rationale <laughs> in the argument, right? I'm not open to it. I'm like, Stefan, you can't be right. Like you can't, there can be nothing right about your argument because I'm obviously right. What I've learned over time and in my many years is that actually there's a lot of ways to be right. And I think like, I love what you said there. Just a great reminder to people that first of all, resistance sometimes shows up as rational argument, but also maybe there's something there that we should actually pay attention to and not just push, push, push. Because I find when I do that anyway, the resistance gets worse. Yeah, because the, 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 they will feel that you're pushing them away in, in the corners. Yeah, yeah, that's a great way to say it. you're pushing that. And the more you push, the more you actually push them away. I really yeah, like you get in a, in a confrontation, confrontation yeah. uh, uh, argument with them. And this is not where you want to go because there's no end to this. Yeah, no, it's really well said. So what does it mean to you to be an everyday innovator? Well, it's working with people that have great ideas. I, I consider that myself, I can have some ideas. I have good ideas, but sometimes I must admit that my colleague, and this happens very often, my colleague who's not a Twiku collaborative, some, someone very different from me, but he, he is very, very creative. He always has the good artistic sense of where we should go, what we should do, but he is convinced all the time. So he's not a tweaker. So sometimes I have to work with, with them. So, oh, you know, you, maybe we should do this. Maybe we should do that. Don't forget that we have to work with these people. But most of the time, I must admit, he is right. He has the, he has the <laughs> good idea. So I have to work every day with this guy and the other guys. And let, let, every morning we meet with the people. Okay, what are you working on this morning? What are, what are you going to work on uh, this afternoon? Uh, what is your challenge? Do you need some help? That sort of things. So uh, being 
a Twigo collaborator for me means a lot of communication and reflection. That's, 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 that's what is my everyday life. I want to ask you about the reflection, but real quick, I have to say, I, I got to go back. I don't have the data yet behind this, but I bet you of the collaboratives that I've interviewed, most of you have said something in your answer about working with other people, like other people have really good ideas. And I think you have to be open to hearing their ideas too. But you mentioned also reflection. So I'm just curious for you, right? Like what, what do you mean by that? And what, how does that show up for you? Yeah. yeah. During the introduction, you said about, you talked about the puzzle. You know, we don't know how the pieces fit together, but we know. I don't know, but I said, okay, there's this, this, this. How is it going to fit together? So I have to find out. My reflection is to find out how all these things going to fit. I don't know the answer the first time. I have to think about this and then test it and then come back with my colleagues and say, what do you think about this solution? Is this the good solution? And, and, and colleagues and clients as well, because we, we work closely with our clients. Um, basically, when we have a project, they say, okay, let's say there's a church there celebrating its 125th anniversary. What should we do to celebrate this? So we talked with this. We came up with some ideas. They came back with other ideas. And finally, uh, we're uh, putting on a, a show in that church for the, uh, the next uh, three years. Uh, it's going to be, um, uh, I'm looking for the word in English. Um, <laughs> and, the, and the fun part is, uh, is that I am always saying this in English, but it's the um, uh, mapping, video mapping inside, inside the church. Oh. Uh, in the three, 360 degrees, so people will be immersed in the history of the, the region to celebrate the uh, 125th history of the church and of the region. That's so creative. I love that. People can get so much out of that experience. And <clears throat> excuse me, I just want to go back to what you said about like, I love how you said, I it, like, I see all these pieces and then I got the reflection is how do they all fit together? That's a great question for all of us to be asking ourselves is like, how does all this stuff that we're seeing, experiencing the stuff that we know, the data, how does it all come together? And just I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write that one down for myself. It's just a reminder of, and especially sometimes I think where I jump to the answer too soon, maybe a little reflection is better. Let me just take a moment and think about how this all really comes together. I, I might get to something even better. Um, I love this. So I can't believe we're kind of close to out of time here, but what is your advice? to? Uh, you're a tweaker collaborative, but to all the different styles out there, what is your advice for others trying to innovate, influence, and make an impact? Yeah. Uh, give values to your ideas, because sometimes you need to stick to your ideas, give values to your ideas and give val values to the ideas of the others as you would like them to value your ideas. If you don't value theirs, they're not gonna value yours. So it's it's a give and take uh, all the time. And uh, as says the poet, no man is an island, so you have to work with other people to create great things. I like that. It's like, it's a little bit of, it's a little bit about respect, isn't it? Like you respect me, I respect you, but it also, I love what you're, the connection you're making here, which is it also plays over into ideas and innovation and business. Like it's not just respect me as a human being, respect where my ideas come from, I'll respect yours. And what I have found, tell me what you think, what I have found is that oftentimes, like Stefan, if you have a different idea than I do on something, that respect of each other's thinking leads us to an idea that's better and stronger that we didn't even come up with on our own. Yes, 
well, at, maybe maybe it's going to work. Maybe it's not going to work, but at least uh, it, it opens the channels. So there there might be a solution there that you don't see, that I don't see, and that together we'll get to there. This is great. So my last question for you is more personal. What's one thing we would be surprised to learn about you? Uh, there are many. But <laughs> I started my career as a clown. What? Yes, I start, uh, because uh, I studied in, in drama. Uh, uh -huh. And uh, my, my first work for one year, I lived as a clown, then became an actor, then a stage director, then another, then a producer, worked for a festival. And this is how I, you know, finally became a general manager. So it's the highest possible position for a clown. So now for Nova I'm Interactive, I'm with a team. I'm the uh, director of special projects. And this is something I like very, very much. And I enjoy a lot what I'm doing, but I still remember that I started as a clown and did several other things that every step I learned something to go in a different place. Can I ask you a random question on that clown thing? Yeah. I would imagine, tell me if I'm wrong, that like a stand-up comedian or a one-man show or anything else where you're like, it's you in the audience. I feel that way when I'm on stage, actually. Yeah. Um, is it hard to make like to keep people engaged you, are you reading the energy like i have to imagine there's a lot of pressure on you right to perform your job like i don't know that i think we take it for granted a little bit but you know what i'm trying to ask i'm talking in circles uh, there's something uh, absolutely uh, important about uh, doing live shows is that you 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 need uh, you need to put yourself uh, I, I say it like that. You need to put yourself live on stage. You have to be there with the people to give them the, the feeling that they're living something. You, so you have to live something. Every time I was going on stage, I was really nervous. And if I was not nervous, it was wrong. I need to be nervous to be there with the crowd and have a great moment with them. So if, if I have a great moment with them, they can have a great moment with me. So you just kind of gave me a little bit of an aha for myself too. I found that uh, in the speaking side of my business, where I do a lot of speaking at conferences, keynoting, and and if I'm nervous, I'm almost always nervous uh, just for a moment, right? Always, even though I've been doing this for a long time. And that's a really important thing. And I found that the, mo the times where I wasn't, I was almost too cocky before I got on stage. Like my ego took over. And I don't think those were great of a performance for me. Like, I think I've come to realize that it's good to be nervous too. Like you just kind of wrap that up. I couldn't figure out why those ones didn't quite click. And I think it's because I wasn't present. Mm -hmm. but this stress is not necessarily a bad thing. That's the, that's the thing I learned when uh, I was uh, uh, doing the, my clown thing or my actor's side. Yeah. I love it. All right. Well, Stephen, thank you so much. It's been absolutely fantastic. A wealth of great insights. I appreciate your sharing kind of what you do in your world with us. Thank you very much. Can I say one thing? Can I add one thing? Yeah. One thing that I appreciate chatting with you is that you're giving me the impression that you're learning something. So, uh, <laughs> so people might have the impression that they're learning something as well from you and from me. That's, uh, uh, I, I like that. Thank you. Well, first of all, I am. I love this is the favorite part of everything that I do. This might be my favorite part because I do learn something. I learn something new every single time. And I think I'm, I'm better for it. I think the world is better for our, your insight. So thank you for sharing that. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward for, for the results. And of course, uh, looking forward to share this with my, uh, my people on my uh, social media. I am too. Thank you okay. so much. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.
Congratulations. By listening to this podcast, you took another step towards becoming an everyday innovator. To leap forward, visit www.gotolaunchstreet.com and take the Innovation Quotient Edge Assessment to discover your unique everyday innovator style and access the Everyday Innovator Digital Magazine for the top tools, insights, and inspiration at your fingertips 24-7. Tomorrow, we'll be back with another Everyday Innovator conversation soon. In the meantime, if you got a nugget of value out of this podcast, let Tamara know by leaving a five-star review and comment. Your review equals more guests, more listens, bigger impact. Until next time.